We've all heard it. Eat healthy. But what does eating healthy mean? Sure, there are countless diets out there, but they contradict each other. Yet all experts agree we should eat a diet rich in fruits and vegetables. Whole fruits and vegetables are the perfect fuel to power the cells in your body, giving you the stamina you need to handle your day-to-day activities. And that's what Balance of Nature is. Whole fruits and vegetables delivered to you in a convenient capsule form for only 22 cents a serving. Our proprietary blend has no additives or fillers, just the full nutritional value of a variety of 31 different fruits and vegetables. Balance of Nature provides you with a natural energy boost without a caffeine crash, a three o'clock slump, or an early bedtime. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself by going to balanceofnature.com or by calling 1-800-246-8751 and use discount code KATE. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Make sure you get over and watch the symposium on frankspeech.com. My friend Mike Lindell is putting up a, a really wonderful symposium. We'll he'll, we will hear from Alex Newman, I can't talk today, maybe in the last hour um, on that and what is going on there. Uh, they are actually, it's an invite only. They are talking to politicians, software, and now they have the voting machines there to show all the fraud. And so there's all kinds of things happening there with Mike Lindell's symposium. And um, I'm excited for him. Go to my pillow.com support what he's doing support this show support truth and radio that's not corporate owned and where we tell the truth and order up products order up products for christmas i don't know what kind of shortages we're going to get and so order up and put in the code kate k-a-t-e and get uh, some phenomenal products because right now as retail is banning him um they're going to pass on the savings to you through the code kate k-a-t-e so Order up, help the show, help him, and do something good today um, for truth. I also uh, wanted to thank Melissa. Melissa uh, introduced me to Ashley Grog, who is there in Indiana with Melissa. And also, it's the, the, the organization that she has, she is a um, master's level nurse. And she also is, uh, has Hoosiers for Medical Liberty. Hoosiers for Medical Liberty. I am loving this. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, absolutely. We're going to be talking religious exemptions. We're going to be talking help for you um, and all of the things that Ashley has done uh, to research out what can be done. Um, You started uh, this Hoosiers for Medical Liberty. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so this was actually before COVID had happened. I was politically apathetic, Uh didn't really get involved in much of anything, but went to this amazing class and learned that I actually could make a difference nice. um, and change things and started Hoosiers for Medical Liberty. And when COVID hit and we saw that places were mandating the flu vaccine and we knew that this COVID vaccine was eventually going to be mandated too, um, we jumped on things. We got a bill written and um, the fun has just not stopped since then. <laughs> but our whole mission is just to ensure that the residents of Indiana have the right to inform consent mm-hmm. and to accept or decline a vaccination. 
Um, and so that's our whole mission. We have a lot of variety and diversity. We have a lot of people that say, you know what, I'm fully vaccinated and I got the COVID vaccine, but I just want you to know that I support the work you're doing because everybody deserves that right to choose. And so I think that's awesome to bridge the gap and stop the debate over vaccines and turn it into a conversation. Oh, I love this. You know what's funny about this whole two years? Not funny, pathetic, but I mean, funny, pathetic is the fact that if I heard that there was even a hint of something that could maybe do damage to me or hurt me, um, I wouldn't have to have somebody go to the mat to to basically explain that, you know, my eyeballs wouldn't pop out of my head and my head wouldn't turn around. And if I even had the hint that something was going on, I would look into it. I wouldn't just take wholeheartedly what I was told off the media and run and do something they told me to do. But I guess, you know, there's a lot of people out there that do that. OK, so if you do that, then what? Um, and if you don't want to do that, then what? Even at the hint of, of all of the evidence of saying, oh, my gosh, this thing um, could be a nightmare for you. So you want to wait it out, right? You just simply want to wait it out and see what happens and not rush in to take something. You should have your right to do that. There's just, I can't imagine that this could be a question, but I guess it it is now. So now what do we do? What about the medical exemption? Do you feel like that's a waste of time? I know Melissa had that question. Yeah, this is one thing that's really frustrating for me because being a medical professional, you want what's best for your patients. Like right. that's why you get into the profession is to help people. And so you would think that the end all be all would be the medical exemption, right? Right. That's not unfortunately the case. Um, and, you know, a lot of people blame the physicians and I, I can't do that. They are put under the gun. You're talking about years of schooling um, that's cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. plus years of, of their life that they have dedicated, and now they're put in this position where they're being told that mm-hmm. they cannot write medical exemptions, which is illegal. It's illegal to tell somebody else how to practice medicine. Um, and they're being threatened. If they do write medical exemptions, then they have a target on their back, not only you know from their whatever hospital they work for, um, but from the medical board. And then um, you kind of get into the space where they don't want to do that. Right. And so it's very hard to come by a medical exemption. And then you turn around, and I'm currently talking with a woman who has a 20-year history of anaphylactic reactions to vaccines. Right. And her family is vaccinated for COVID. She just cannot get it because she has this history of anaphylactic reaction, anaphylactic Reactions are very serious. They are life-threatening. And the more times that you experience Mm -hmm. that, it typically gets worse each time. And so she has been denied multiple medical exemptions. Um, And the the employer is telling her that she just needs to pre-medicate and get the vaccine anyway. So you're asking her to take some Benadryl, (laughs) carry her EpiPen, and Uh. get the vaccine anyways. And I, I... I was speechless. I heard yeah. this. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm speechless hearing it from you. I can't even imagine this because even on the fact sheet when they give the vaccine, there are seven different clauses or reasons why they say that you need to get a hold of a medical professional because these seven things like wanting to have a family um, or allergies or Bell's palsy or uh, all of these things would preclude you from the vaccine. So then why can't 
you get an exemption if those things are you. If you're one of those items, why is this so hard to get an exemption? If they even disclose it as these things that that <laughs> would prevent you from getting it, right? Yeah, I I have no answer for that. <laughs> I I don't either. This, I mean, it's amazing. Um, and so the doctors are told that they cannot give these medical exemptions, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, so I have an autoimmune condition, and mm-hmm. I I've not been needing an exemption for the flu vaccine, but I went and saw my um, my practitioner, and I said, you know, what's going on with this? And and they looked at me and they said, I'm not allowed to write that. My my boss has come and told me, and I cannot write you an exemption for the flu vaccine, um, even though you have you know, this condition that could cause some serious problems for you. And so it was happening before COVID, um, well, before the COVID vaccine, but with with the flu vaccine. And so it's really difficult. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like. Indiana is thought to be a fairly conservative state. Right. Um, Not really. And (laughs) I can't imagine what it's like in some of these other states that are, you know. Yeah, I I can't either. So religious vaccine, then let's talk about the religious vaccine then. Is that the way to go with this? Um, So I will make this disclaimer because I know you are across the country. Indiana does recognize religious exemptions. Um, We have some pretty good code on the books for our education system and stuff like that. Other states may not recognize religious exemptions and so if you are outside of indiana i encourage you to go get Mm -hmm. check in with with groups that are in the know Mm -hmm. um and i gave you that that website for outside of indiana you should be able to look up a a group um that might be able to help you kind of learn more about what your applicable laws are i'm gonna in my post it go ahead okay in my opinion for for especially indiana religious exemption is the way to go um, for an employer, this is backed by the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which prevents religious discrimination. Okay. And so um, that prevents any issues with, um, you know, not being hired, mm-hmm. being um, preventing promotion or um, being fired. And so as long as you have that religious um, exemption in place, then you should have some protections. Now, there are some things that you have to do. And one of the, the things that I really like to point out, and this is all on my website. So if you visit that um, COVID-19 mandates page, people can um, see about how to appeal a denial. Um, this is again mm-hmm. for Indiana law. Um, and then about halfway down that page, there's a whole video that goes through religious exemptions, what they are. Maybe you think you wouldn't qualify, but what I tell people is if you communicate with your creator, if you pray, um, or however you communicate with your creator, and and your creator has said that this is not for you, mm-hmm. then that is your sincerely held religious belief, and you would qualify for a religious exemption. Religion yes. is not supposed to be questioned. Um, you know, it, it's very frustrating because this happens all the time where um, – an employer will say, well, where does it say in Scripture, or where does mm-hmm. your church doctrine? Mm-hmm. First of all, if um, you know, if it was part of the uniform that you were not to wear a hat, right. and you were a Muslim woman, they would not question, well, where does it say in Scripture that you must wear hashib? You know, yeah. like, uh, 
if you're a Jewish man and you're supposed to have short hair, not that I think like an Orthodox Jewish man would be like mm-hmm. a police officer or anything, but if they were to be, they wouldn't question where in scripture it says that you must wear the curls and the facial hair, you know, that would be religious discrimination. Okay. So why in this circumstance is it okay to question and push and and make someone go through a religious challenge or test? Yeah. Yeah. And do you have to have a religious exemption for your religion? (laughs) Yeah. That's a whole new ball of wax that we're trying to, that we're trying to unwind. Right. Yeah, I think the most important thing is just understanding and knowing your rights. Right. And then instead of having a knee-jerk reaction, Mm -hmm. take the time because they don't say, oh, you have to decide by tomorrow. It's usually a couple weeks. It gives you time to research, to consult with people. Don't have that knee-jerk reaction. Um, Think through it. Look into your resources. Find a a group in your state um, that that wants to prevent mandates. A great... um, there are different national organizations, too. There's a right to refuse that are working mm-hmm. on um, getting bills in each state that would help stop mandates, um, right. giving people the right to refuse those. And so that's going to be a great resource, too, for people. Wow, I love all of this. Um, and you're you're so right on this. A lot of people are going to face this now. And as they rush it off of uh, emergency status to... Um, uh, to overall, you know, FDA approval, they're going to say that they can request this. Well, I know in my own state, it says that they can't make you be part of an experiment. They can't make you, um, they can't make you do something to your body. And so what are we going to do? Um, we are, we're going to come right back, but I love that you started this. I love that you're doing this. You're a nurse and I'm sure it's been just interesting to watch over the last 19 months. I can't even imagine for you. <laughs> it's, it's been difficult yeah i really. bet because where's where do our rights come in and it's interesting that so many people are so freaked out that they say that liberty liberty is not a thing you should not be concerned about your liberty well i'm not going to get injected with something i like my body autonomy thank you and i'm not going to get injected with something i feel uncomfortable with thank you very much uh, because i live in yeah. this country called america and so there are people out there that are doing it on the safety thing although they can't prove that we are in a plague and so i always find that kind of interesting too we're going to come right back more with ashley grog and i'm so glad she's joining me thanks hat tip melissa uh, for getting ashley on hoosiers for medical liberty hoosiers for medical liberty the website is h for m as in mary l as in larry.org and then forward slash covid19 mandates this information is on my website right now go get it Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Hi there. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show. A little credence for you. Lock your door in Illinois. Well, if uh, Lori Lightfoot, your mayor, yes. We call her morning breath. 
<laughs> to a morning. If there was a picture of morning breath, it would be it would be uh, Lori Lightfoot of the Chicago mayor. Uh, anyway, welcome back. She's in the news today. Welcome back to the Kate Daly Show. Appreciate you listening in. Get over to Balance of Nature. This is a product I actually back and love because I'm telling you, you need to eat your vitamins. And it has 31 fruits and vegetables you can take every single day in veggie caps and fruit caps. Um, you take three of each and you're on your way. It's, an, it's really a fantastic pro, uh, product because they take all the phytonutrients and put them in those capsules, and you're getting the benefit of eating three, 31 fruits and vegetables a day. Go to balanceofnature.com, put in the code Kate, and I would actually order extra and have it in storage uh, because it'll keep. And uh, I'm just telling you, this is a fantastic food supplement, and if you know anything about our food supply... You should be eating a food supplement. You should be having one in your diet. And so I would definitely include this in your grocery budget. And it's really uh, inexpensive and wonderful. And you can even try it out because it's guaranteed. Go to balanceofnature.com. All the testimonials are real. My family's on it. We love it. And put in the code Kate. That gets you 35% off in free shipping. Um, my guest in this hour, oh, by the way, I just want to mention Erin Elizabeth tomorrow. Um, this is uh, Mercola's other half, and she is uh, Health Nut News. She's going to be coming on the show to talk about him because they're the disinformation 12, right? Or, or rather, the information 12. Um, and I love these guys. Erin's going to come on and describe what's going on with Mercola getting rid of 25 years worth of articles. And we also have Patrick Wood from Technocracy coming on tomorrow as well. Um, Ashley Grog is with me and Melissa was kind enough uh, to put Ashley in connection with me so we could get her on the show. And I love this because she does Hoosiers for Medical Liberty and she's talking about medical liberty, religious exemptions. I put the link on katedallyradio.com under show. You can find that. And uh, and also Chris Ann Hall, our constitutional expert, was talking about patient bill of rights. Make sure you have that. You can refuse anything, and people don't know that. The doctors, uh, the, the hospitals like to like for you to think that anything they want is going to happen. Well, that's not that's not true, and so you need to shore yourself up with your your rights when inside of a hospital too. And then also, I put the link up for religious exemptions outside of Indiana or in Indiana, Ashley. And you know who tells the doctors that they can't write these medical exemptions who is i just i know you i don't even know if you can answer this just just i i would say give me just your thoughts on it what do you think because i i don't even know what that answer could be right um just yeah, to, yeah. i mean i this I, is a tricky a, a tricky question it would be nothing more than speculation so i just okay. want to say that sure. um but really when you think about it the the medical establishment has certain rules and tenants. And as far as the medical establishment is concerned, vaccines are one of the greatest discoveries and they use it with a broad sweeping, you know, stroke. Vaccines Mm -hmm. are one of the greatest accomplishments of modern medicine. And so I can't help but assume that this is coming down from the, the upper echelons, whether that is, you know, whether that is certain associations um, or groups, of doctors that are saying we have to live by the standard. If we start questioning this, you know, we're going to lose credibility. Um, or if we feed into this idea that it's okay to be exempt from vaccines, you know, are we going to continue to feed quote unquote anti-vaxxers and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's probably an unwritten rule and then it's shoved down from the top. And there are certain 
professional uh, associations or organizations that, that take these things to heart. And if you follow the money, mm-hmm. you will see where the funding for a lot of these associations comes mm-hmm. from. And when you follow that trail, right. you know what that gets you. When did, uh, this is just a question, just and, and you'll probably have to speculate on this because I, I wouldn't know the answer to this, but when did the CDC start? Because when I, when I realized, when my own husband was in the ICU, when I realized that they are dictating the protocols across the board and no one will say no to that, um, when they hand down a package like that, how long have they been doing that in our hospitals where they've been in control, do you think? They are I for COVID. I just I don't, don't know for anything else. Okay, okay. Because I, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable stating a date. What I will say is it has been a long time. Okay. And if you look at the evolution of medicine mm-hmm. in the United States, it used to be that that doctors and chiropractors were the same. You know, mm-hmm. a, a doctor would often be a chiropractor, and right. they would often use herbs and supplements vitamins and minerals, look at deficiencies within the body and treat patients based on that. But when you started getting the medical schools, that was funded by the the pharmaceutical industry. And so then you got pharmacology and that was the primary basis of your schools and things started to split off. Well, government got involved, CDC, FDA, they're, again, follow the money and you watch Mm -hmm the people cycle through these organizations and it just, you know, so they, they do pass these things down and the the government is able to use all this money. The NIH does all these studies. They have these repositories um, and, and they do best practice. And so they look at the peer reviewed evidence and they Mm -hmm. want to improve care. And there are certain standards that have to be, um, upheld to make sure that that we are giving good care, and so it all comes from these regulatory. We must do better. We can't trust the individual physician to to, to take care right. of the patient, and that's resulted in cookie cutter medicine. And wow. fifteen, twenty years. I've been in medicine for for um, fifteen or nursing for fifteen years, and mm-hmm. it's gotten progressively worse to where. You know, we have to follow these standards. This is what has to be prescribed or the doctors are penalized for not providing effective um, evidence-based practice. Now, cookie-cutter medicine is not acceptable, and I think this is my opinion. Sure. Okay. Cookie-cutter medicine has gotten us where we are today, and the reliance we should absolutely respect and appreciate our physicians. They have studied and sacrificed greatly for their, their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you are so used to take two aspirin and call me in the morning and you just blindly follow what you're being told, these doctors are, are very intelligent, but it would be inconceivable to think that one person could know everything about every, you know, every every medical issue, every medicine, how they would interact, etc. You know, yeah. And yeah. so we really have to think for ourselves. And doctors have also been pigeonholed. I mean, they're stuck in these places where there's so much regulation. Some of it needed, some of it not. There's so much bureaucracy in medicine mm-hmm. that 
they're not even allowed to think for themselves a lot. You go into the hospital, you've got a pneumonia protocol, you've got a, um, sure. you've got a protocol for everything, and you just sign off on the orders and send the patient on their way. You didn't have to think about it. You didn't have to look at the individual patient. You know, and that is where a lot of problems in medicine come from. Wow. Um, let's talk about um, health departments who have gained a lot of authority all of a sudden in the United States and, uh, and politicians. There's those same. Okay. And really what you just said can apply to that, too. But, uh, but yeah, let's talk about both of those. Okay. Where do you thoughts? want to start? You want to start with health departments? Yeah, let's start with health departments. They've absorbed a lot of authority for themselves. Yes. So I'm so glad you brought this up, and I'm so glad that this popped into my head because one of the things that makes me the most frustrated is the fact that health departments are not elected officials. So where do they get the right to speak and represent and make decisions for Mm -hmm. the people? Yeah. There's (laughs) no way for us to hold the health departments accountable. Mm -hmm. You're right. Absolutely. So they can do whatever they want on their power trips and run with it. And there's no way we can change that. Yeah. Or is there? Mm. Or is there? Mm. Yeah. Or Or is there? What can we do? Yeah. Okay. So at least for Indiana, um, how this works is your county commissioners appoint uh, a board of health and then the board of health appoints the director. Mm -hmm. And so, What you've got to start doing is looking at the flow of power. Whoever appoints these people now becomes accountable for their actions. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So we're going to hold people accountable. So in in my county in Indiana, we've had some meetings um, with our county commissioners and Politicians are sneaky little people. Yep. Um, <laughs> they, this. <laughs> and this is a hard thing, too. Like I say, you can't, well, this is a little different than with doctors. I'll say that. There are a lot of really good people in politics that you might want to have dinner with or you might be friends with or you might sit in the same pew at church, but they make really poor decisions. That that speaks across the likes of anybody, right? We can be good people and make really poor decisions. And I think that has what has happened with our politicians because we're not holding them accountable. Um, And I speak, you know, uh, as a, a culprit of this as well. I was, completely politically apathetic you know yeah, i voted i was too. i voted in primaries but i asked <laughs> yeah. my husband to to vote for right right i i probably, understand probably the only time i listened to my husband but <laughs> you know well i mean I honestly that's true though and I, before i became a talk show host I had to know so all these things i i was the same way I was raising a family. I, yeah. I you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't really care. I couldn't have even named any of my congresspersons or my senators. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I met my city councilman. It was so embarrassing. I had no idea he was my city councilman. Yeah. Um, and so it's shaking off this apathy and taking accountability and being taking an active role in your government, and that's more than just voting. Your civic duty is not at that poll box. It's also, prior to that, knowing 
who these people are and communicating with them. And so I do mm-hmm. try to show grace to politicians mm-hmm. um, in the fact that we need to hold them accountable. And I will be honest, your focus should not be on the presidential race. He does not impact your life nearly as much as what your state yeah. senator or representative. Most people don't realize that their state laws are made in their state house by their own house rep and senators. Right. Um, and they're different from your congressional representatives. Um, but these guys hold much more power over your day to day life. And then your county commissioners, even more so. so and the true. smaller the government gets, the stronger it gets. They can... They can overrule what federal government says. Um, and so just like these states that have legalized marijuana, it's not federally mm-hmm. legalized, but right. in that state, right. it's legal. Right. Just like abortion. So, Abortion's the same thing. It's There's no federal law. The Supreme Court can't make a law. All the states can decide for themselves, but they. I think we've been trained as, as a society that somewhere along the line it became a federal law. That is not true. And states have to have to push out and say, we are going to defy, defy this. You know, we're not going to go along with, with Roe versus Wade as it was an opinion in Texas. Um, and so we have to learn what our states can do. And how to strengthen mm-hmm. our states, right? I mean, that's how we have to to rally against all of this going on right now. I Discipline starts at home. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, following up, if you really want to work on your health board, you start putting the pressure on your county commissioners. Because what are they going to do? Put pressure on the health boards. Yep. And I tell you, if your county commissioners are not doing their job and representing their populations the way that they should be, it might be time to get some new county commissioners. Oh, amen to that. I got Manny Mo and Jack. So yeah, amen. Amen, sister. I'm behind you on that one. And we talk about the county commissioners a lot because they have a lot more pull locally and they have to answer locally to us. And so in every city, county that's listening right now, please, it's that it's that county commission uh, um, position. And also, let me give the web Website again. It is on katedallyradio.com right now, by the way, but it's H, the number four, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, h4ml.org forward slash outside Indiana, if you're outside Indiana, or forward slash COVID-19 mandates. And I really appreciate you, Ashley, and I appreciate uh, Melissa um, finding you. You're a gem, and I, I thank you for all that you're doing, and I know what a headache it is, and you're doing it anyway, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, it's a lot of work, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'll be, I'll be right, I'll be right back. In fact, uh, Alex Newman will be calling in from the Lindell Symposium, giving us an update. And Susan will be here, and we have a lot of stories to catch you up on. Be right back on the Kate Daly Show, katedalyradio.com.